Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So for the hearing test, did you do the, do you go in the little phone booth? You go in a booth. The sound that basically beep, 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 beep. They have beep all your right ear, then in your left ear, and you say yes when you hear it. I took a few guesses. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't see the woman who was giving the test. She was probably laughing when I said, yeah, I think so. But I'm sure there was no sound. And she had her hand down on the no sound and wait for this dope to say, yeah, I think so. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I enjoyed taking the test. It's I like don't the think penguin I, dance. Yeah, I think I failed the test. To the left. You know, but I, I enjoyed taking the test. Uh, many of you know today is my birthday. I'm not, I'm hiding from it, but I'm not hiding the fact that it is my birthday. And everybody asks the same question, you know, when are you going to retire? Here's my answer to all of these questions about my age. I hope to be doing this tomorrow and the day after. That's all. You know, Michael, I like tomorrow doing this. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Right. I like to, you know this, I like yeah. doing it. I enjoy it. Working gives you strength. Yeah, I enjoy doing it. Not everybody does. Ash Barty is 26 years old. (laughs) Walked away from being the number one tennis player in the world and said she's thrilled. She retired at the right time. Who retires at 26? She retired at the right time. That doesn't mean she won't be back down the road, but she's not back now. I'm in my mid-70s. I like doing it. Um, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. If people want to listen, I'm going to do it. Like you have, don't have any fear that I'm going to stop, you know, <laughs> on a whim. I'm not really going to do it. I, I sort of like it. I, it upsets you sometimes that you know, I work so much. It, it, I just want you to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. So yes. this is usually around holidays and normal breaks in your TV schedule. Right, right. But I mean, it's not hard to just sit down and talk. It's not hard. It's a great country. They pay for this. <laughs> From Steve the Sycophant, congratulations, dear Toby. Even though I shed a tear as you discussed your deteriorating hearing on Tuesday's show, I managed to muster a smile. Why? Well, since I'm on the shady side of 80, let me tell you, it ain't getting any better. I finally <laughs> think back to when I was your age, and boy, was I hot stuff. Nearly every part of my body worked and hardly anything ached. I'm still going strong, but it's not like the mid-70s. Just enjoy yourself and remember getting old Certainly is both a literal and figurative pain, but it sure as hell beats the alternative. From Chris Tomasi, I've been listening to the podcast since it started, but originally listened to Mr. Tony on ESPN Radio in the 90s on drives from southwest Wyoming to Salt Lake City. I live in the D.C. area now. I'm a member of Army Navy. Name the day and time, and if I'm in town, I'd love to host you and Michael at either facility. Would be a great way to say thanks for all these years of entertainment. Army Navy's, you've played that. Yeah, both courses, track, Fairfax right? or 395. Yeah. Just make sure you know which one before you, before you right, put it Right, you got to know which one you're going to, but it's, it's really nice. Um, Leslie Humble. My husband and I have been listeners since we first moved to D.C. in 2002, where we live less than two miles from your now-closed Columbia Country Club. We wrote in once for a birthday shout-out, and you signed a 40th birthday card for my husband many years back, which is proudly displayed in our home. Needless to say, we are proud and loyal littles. I'm writing today with a golf offering I hope you will consider. We now live in Skokie, Illinois, and I'm one of those sports moms, a hockey mom to be specific, that you and Wilbon spoke about on Monday's show. That was a great Wilbon yes. It really was. Yes. As a member of the Wilmette Hockey Association Board, I am helping to host a golf scramble fundraiser in support of our coaching endowment fund. We love our coaches, and it's all about the straight cash, homie, am I right? The event will take place on Monday, August 1st at the Wilmette Golf Club in the suburb just north of Evanston. This is an area I know you enjoyed visiting in the past, and here's what I can promise you. A round of golf for you, Michael Wilbon, or whomever else. A low-key dinner of burgers and hot dogs following you around. 
a parking spot right out front, or someone to valet your car at the very least. A lovely afternoon with parents of mostly boys who can give Michael some advice. As a bonus, if you come in the weekend before the event, I can call in some favors and arrange rounds at other country clubs in the North Shore. Exmoor, Indian Hills, Westmoreland, Sunset Ridge. We're asking for no donations of any kind, rather just offering you a place to play. Isn't that nice? All the best to the whole Tony Korn Hydra Show gang. I miss so many of the regulars, and it makes my day when I can hear Liz talk tennis and Ann talk movies. Thanks for all the entertainment past 20 years. Stay safe and healthy and cool. Leslie Humble. Very, very nice. Appreciate that. Um, let me get to some of the sports news, if I could. Oh, Greg, Greg uh, wrote me a note. Greg was so thrilled that we talked about the show. And by the way, I was right. He, I said I took a shot on that H.I. McDonough thing that that was a pay-on to Raising Arizona. And he said Raising Arizona is my favorite movie of all time. Oh, that's so right. Hi, McDonough, yes. Yeah, so yeah. it was. You know, watch your step, H.I. <laughs> John Goodman. That's one of John Goodman's great roles yes, as an escaped convict. Yes, it it's one of his great roles. Yes. You know, it's yeah. really great. So he called, and I, and I thought that was, he wrote, and I thought that was very nice. I want to say August 19th, I think, is when that debuts on Freebie. Yeah, yeah. Yes. A Freebie, which actually exists. Yes, you can it's get It's something that. anyone can get. Yes. And it's obviously free, or it wouldn't be called V. <laughs> it's not a free for now. Yeah, it's not pay V. Okay, right. Right. Not TV, not pay V, free V. The hottest three teams in baseball were all allegedly in action last night. The Dodgers, I think, had won eight in a row and were going for nine, and I believe the Dodgers lost. The Seattle Mariners, I was excited for this. Every five minutes, I kept switching off the Golf Channel or ESPN to go to Masson to see if the rain delay was over. And then by about a quarter to nine, it seemed obvious to me when they went full screen with a previous game that it was not going to be over, that there was, the game was rained out. But you could at least when did they a, call You that? could at least put a crawl on the bottom so that we could stop checking. They didn't have anything. They just said rain delay on the right-hand Particularly side. Particularly when you have a West Coast team only here for two days. Does that mean they're going to have a doubleheader today, or are they just going to bag one of the games? They have they, to it was, have it. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be an afternoon game. Remember Dave Sims said after the game he was getting on the Amtrak to go back to New York. Yeah. So you think it'll be two? It is set to be a doubleheader. When's it start? Uh, 12.05 is game one. So that's a little bit early. Well, game, yes. game two should go pretty quickly for him because Fettuccini's pitching. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, he, I wish he was better. <laughs> I wish they were all better. They're not very good, all of them. I like when they bring in all the pitchers who look like they could be extras in The Princess Bride. <laughs> I loved the blonde kid the first two times out, and then, then the first batter the other night he gave up something to. Anyway, the Orioles won. Wilbur and I were talking about this yesterday on the PTI show. And Mike made the point, the correct point, that although it is Seattle's in a longer drought in terms of playoffs, Seattle is the longest playoff drought in all of baseball. It's 21 years now. It's the longest one, 21 years. But because of where we live and because of how we paid attention to the Orioles and because of the many times Mike and I both not together necessarily, although together once in a while. Mike and I both went to Memorial Stadium on 33rd Street and then Camden Yards. We went for many, many years, 40 years, we went to these ballparks. We were always treated very nicely. The Orioles have beautiful colors and great uniforms, and the people that they employ to help the people who go as fans are very nice. Wipe down the seats. Very, very yeah. nice all the time. It's a lovely place to go. So it seemed to us, since we pay more attention to Baltimore than we do to Seattle, it seemed to both of us that the Orioles had been worse for a longer period of time. 
The Orioles in all three of the last three years have lost over 100 games or more. They lost 110 games last year. They're really, really bad. They're every bit as bad as the Nats are going to be by the end of this year. Really an awful, stinking team. Okay? But we remember that Mike said they've, they're probably bad since Cal left. That's a long time ago since Cal left. Maybe that's true. But the Orioles were great for a long period of time. Seattle was good. Seattle had one great year where they didn't get as far as they should have when they won like 115 games and didn't get to the World Series. But by and large, Baltimore had been better for a longer period of time. And Baltimore has been terrible. They won again last night. They came from behind again last night. They're 10-1 and in their last 11 games, and they're at 500. And you say, what's the big deal? 500 is nothing. Everybody in that division is now at 500 or better. That's the, the AL East is the greatest division in all of sports. It's not close. And that's why the O's is, such, is such a big story, because you think even if you just circle two teams and what they represent in terms of wealth and their ability to try and win now Yankees every and single Red Sox. year, that's almost 40, that's 40 games. Yeah. yeah. It's, for the Orioles to be doing this now, when they don't have much, I mean, they, they basically went into the farm system, made a lot of trades, and they got young guys. I don't know who even plays for them anymore. But for them to get to 500 in that division with 19 games against every other team, for them to get to 500 is an extraordinary accomplishment, I think. And, and you know, attention must be paid on that. It's a really big deal. It is. They, they had a brief, they had like a four year window where they were, with Buck they, Walter. Where they were going Shadow. to play. They went to the playoffs three times in five years, I guess, actually. Okay. Um, but other than that, it's been dismal. I mean, it's yeah. been last place, 100 lost seasons, yeah, and just no yeah. hope for So, fans. I mean, that's, you know, and it's, again, and everybody who's, who can get there, everybody like in the Washington area who can get to Baltimore, everybody who's been there knows how lovely it is. Yeah, Great. Hearing you talk about these two teams brings me back to when I was a kid when there, were, there was not a team here, yeah. and you'd watch baseball tonight to try and see the live look-ins to see Griffey. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. right. Griffey was great. Look, they had great players. They had Alex Rodriguez. They had Randy Johnson. Chief they had Ken Griffey Jr. They had great players, yeah. all of whom left. Now, Griffey didn't lift, leave, leave in his prime. The others left in their prime. Griffey did not. He left later. Um, it, it's, the hard part is when you live on the East Coast, that Seattle is as far, the, I think the longest domestic flight you can take in the United States of America, continental United States of America, is Miami, Seattle. I think that's the longest one. Yeah. I think that's longer than Boston, Seattle, or New York, Seattle. I think. I'm not sure. But I think so. Somebody will let us know if that's true. You know. But so Seattle and then Seattle lost a basketball team. And Seattle never had a hockey team till last year. And the Seattle Seahawks, they're a good football team. But, you know, they're not sexy or anything like that. They're not. Although, having done Monday Night Football, I can tell you this. This is absolutely true. It is the loudest outdoor stadium in the United States of America for football. Second is Kansas City. Okay. Seattle is the loudest. Yes. Not, you know, Seattle, like, you're there and you go, well, I can't believe this is outdoors. <laughs> I don't know how the sound is, is actually that loud. So good for Seattle. Uh, they play twice today. And good for um, Baltimore. Yes. You know, good for Baltimore. All right, we'll take a break and we'll talk. We'll, we can talk to Tim Kirkchen. Is he first? He is first, yes. No, we can talk to Tim Kirkchen about this stuff. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. 
Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Michael Granberry, who's batting a thousand. <laughs> He's batting a thousand. This is Elizabeth Wills, who hails from Fort Worth and who also, which also produced fellow songwriter Towns Van Zant and a pair of literary legends named Bud Jenkins, Dan Jenkins, I'm sorry, and Bud Schrake, who, by the way, were best friends. Oh, Dan and Bud were best friends. I have no doubt that they would all appreciate the angelic voice and poetic writing of Elizabeth, who will soon release her new album, Marigolds from Ashes which contains my favorite Elizabeth Wills song, In the Broken. That's what you're listening to now, In the Broken. The second song I'm sending is One by One, which comes from an earlier album, Love's Come, Love Comes Home. Everybody he sends, everybody he sends is fabulous. Yes. Simply fabulous. Michael was making the point before we went on the air that we seem to get a lot of young women with angelic voices, and to which I say, more, yes, more, on. Yes. right, Michael? They're just yeah, female singer-songwriters, just fantastic. She plays in Tim Kirkchen, and as I said in the beginning of the show, in the open, um, Baltimore is doing great, and I'm very happy for Baltimore because even though it's not actually true, it seems like it's been a thousand years since Baltimore was anything but a terrible team. Tim covered covered the Baltimore Orioles for the Sun for how many years? How many years? Uh, I covered one year kind of for the Washington Star, four years right. for the Sun, including the 88 season when they lost their first 21 games. Right, right. First 21, Tony. After 17, Frank Robinson took all the writers out to dinner, Ken Rosenthal, Richard Justice, and myself. He took us out to dinner, I guess needing a little support. So I asked him during dinner, anyone interesting called during the streak? He said, yeah, the president called me today. So Frank was a big kidder. I pushed him three times on it. He said, damn it, the president of the United States <laughs> called me today. Yeah. Frank, what did he say? He said, Frank, I know what you're going through. And Frank said, Mr. President, you got no idea what I'm going through. <laughs> That's, That's how just, bad the Orioles were when I covered them. So, you know, but in all of that, in all of the Memorial Stadium and in all of Camden Yards, they treated everybody well. It was always nice to go there. And as a, someone who's lived in Washington for over 40 years, I have a tremendous soft spot in my heart for the Baltimore Orioles. What they have done, uh, Tim, I will let you tell people, getting to 500 in that division with a team that lost 110 games last year, seems actually amazing to me. How about you? It, it's a miracle, Tony. Tony, last year, they finished 39 games out of fourth place. They finished 39 games behind the next worst team in their division. It's the second time in the history of baseball that any team has finished at least 39 games behind the next worst team in their league or their division. That's how bad they were. And now they're a 500 team. They're in a playoff race. Now they're, they're three games out of second place. 
in the best division in baseball after finishing 39 games out of fourth place. And to win nine games in a row, starting where they came from to win nine in a row, is just a miraculous story. Their pitching has been way better than anyone thought, and they are a pretty good offensive team now, more than a pretty good offensive team. They have some dangerous guys in the middle of the order. This is a miraculous turnaround. Who are these people, right? Didn't, didn't they basically say we're getting rid of everybody over 30, we thank them for their service, and we're getting kids, and we'll wait? Who are these people? Well, you know, Ashley Rush, Adley Rutschman is going to be one of the best players in the game in a very short amount of time. Switch hitting catcher who has changed the look of that team since the day he came up. But they have other guys. Austin Hayes should have made the all-star team. Ryan Mountcastle was you know, potentially an all-star. Anthony Santander is a really good hitter. They have three or four guys in the middle of the order, and they have Trey Mancini, who's been there for years and is still a pretty good hitter. So they have enough people on their team to score enough runs. It's just some of these young pitchers that we didn't see coming who have really helped them an enormous amount. I don't even know the name of the manager. Who is the manager? (laughs) Brandon Hyde is the manager. This is another good thing the Orioles have done. They hired Brandon Hyde and said, you're young, we're rebuilding, we're going to lose a million games, you're going to take the losses, but when we get good, you're going to be there when we get good. It doesn't always happen that way. And he has been exceedingly patient during some really difficult times. And now it looks like, at least for the moment, that the tie has turned and he is still there because he's a really good teacher and a really good young guy who understands how today's young players operate. It's not a great story for the whole country because the whole country doesn't focus on the Baltimore Orioles by any stretch of the imagination. It's a great story if you live around here because everybody has a warmth. They may not like the ownership, but everybody has a warm spot for the ballpark and the way you're treated when you go there. Tim, you've been to every ballpark in the majors. I can't imagine there's – I'm sure there are some that treat you as well as, as fans are treated at, at Baltimore, but I can't imagine there's anybody who treats you better. I, I agree. And, you know, Tony, my two favorite ballparks are, are Fenway Park and Wrigley Field because they're old, and I love old things like that. But of the new ballparks, and that's the last 30 years, Camden Yards is still the best of the new ballparks for me, which is really saying something when you have Pittsburgh and Seattle and San Francisco and so many of these other beautiful new ballparks. But no ballpark has, has really lasted better than Camden Yards has since it was the one that started this throwback retro ballpark, old cozy feel to it. It's the one that started all of them, and it's still the best of the group. And I still, still love going to games in that ballpark. I will get off this topic, and I'll go to the upcoming All-Star game. You, I'm sure, like the All-Star game. Do you like... I'm getting off the All-Star game now. It's the best All-Star game because it's pitchers against hitters. The other All-Star games are phony baloney games, and this is the best game. Not the, it's not great, but it's the best game. But do you like the home run derby, and can we talk about who's in it this year? Yes, I, I love the home run derby. I, I just have a, a different look at it, Tony. I think, I think if the, the slam dunk contest is, is still kind of fun, but there are people – 
across this country on playgrounds who are doing similar dunks to those yeah. guys. But there, there is no playground <clears throat> being taken place where somebody's hitting a baseball as far as Pete Alonzo is going to hit a baseball. There is no other playground on earth where there's somebody hitting a baseball as far as Giancarlo Stanton is going to hit it. And even though baseball, the best part about it is there is no clock. The clock has changed and saved the home run derby. The fact 100%. That guys are in a hurry, and it's now dramatic. And look, there's only five seconds left. Throw it so I can hit one more. That's what has made the home run derby so good. And I still can't get over how far these guys are capable of hitting a baseball. It's just remarkable when you watch Alonzo, Stanton, Acuna, all of them. Otani, it's fantastic theater still. Schwarber, by the way, as a leadoff hitter, first pitch, he hits it out all the time. It's great that Schwarber's in it as well. But I, I, I guess I need to ask you this. I am charmed to the max that Albert Pujols has agreed to do this. He has 684 home runs, and as I said on PTI last night, let me repeat that for the West Coast. He has 684 home runs, right? I think I have that right. Just an enormous amount of home runs. I don't know how many he can put out. I don't know if he can put any out. Why do you think he's doing this, and does he have the personality to carry this out? Well, first off, he hit number 685 last night. I missed that one. That's okay, Tony. Only Hank Aaron and Barry Bonds have more extra base hits in the history of the game than Albert Pujols. And yes, I think he has the personality to pull this off because he knows this is it for him. He's not playing after this year. Tony, I was at the game that he pitched this year in a victory. I covered that game from the dugout. Okay. Yeah. He volunteered to pitch in that game. Albert Pujols of a year ago and certainly of 20 years ago would have never considered doing that. But he just has decided to enjoy this final year. So he pitches in games and now he's going to, uh, he's going to compete in the home run derby, which is exactly how it should be. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a lovely thing. I mean, it, it, it's a great sentimental thing, and I hope that works out. I, I need to ask, I, I found this out yesterday, and I d- didn't understand this at all, and maybe you can explain it. The next schedule, the next year, we're not going to have 19 division games, Dave Sims was saying, not 19 division games, and everybody plays everybody, so you have all these interleague games. Tim, I'm going to sound hopelessly old. But to me, there's only about 10 or 12 interleague games that matter, and all the rest are nonsense, and they're, they're just artificial rivalries. Why are they doing this? Well, I think they're just trying to make it, Tony, a little bit more equitable for teams that are trapped, say, in a really difficult division. Going back to the Orioles, instead of mm-hmm. having to play the Rays, Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox, 19 times each they get an ease they got they get a more equitable schedule like everyone else everyone plays each other roughly roughly the same amount of times and therefore it's a it's a safer and a, a more equitable schedule i, I think hate that's it. the thinking i hate I it i understand what you're saying it does take away from the division but i guess well, those people who are tired of watching red sox red sox yankees 19 times a year 
will have another thing to look at. So let me give the opposing point of view, which, of course, I think is the right point of view. Baseball is not a national sport until the playoffs. It's just not. It's a local sport. I don't tune into other games, I, you know, for a couple of innings, but I tune into my team, the Nats, every single night. I want to see them play 19 times in the division. I don't care if it's a great division or a bad division. I want to see those teams. They are the teams that attract me. If you tell me the Nats are playing Colorado as much as they're playing Philadelphia, I, I think that's a terrible idea. Didn't someone stand up and say that? Yeah, I think people have stood up and said that, Tony. You're not the only one. And I agree. The fact that, you know, Red Sox-Yankees isn't going to be as prevalent, I understand. And those, you know, those Cub-Cardinal rivalries in which, you know, people are are so into Dodger-Giants, we won't have as many games. I I totally understand. I just think they're... They're looking for another way to do baseball to make it more interesting for the average fan. But you're right, Tony. It's not a national game anymore. It's much more of a regional sport. And you take away the great regional matchups. And I'm not sure it's always a great idea. That's a terrible idea. How much, and I'll get you out of here on this, how much power does Theo Epstein really have? Can he get what he wants? Can he cap the pitchers? Can he do these things he talks about? Uh, they brought Theo in to do some serious work. I don't know how much power he has, but what Theo starts something, Theo usually finishes it, and he has recognized how much work needs to be done in baseball. So they're going to tinker and tinker and tinker until they get it right. And if he doesn't like it, uh, I think he's going to object. But I don't think just he can say, all right, this is what we have to do with the shift. Do what I tell you. I don't think it works that way. But he was brought in for a specific reason, to save the game on the field, and they're going to give him some leeway to do that. It's the obvious follow-up question. Why shouldn't it, and why doesn't it work that way? This guy did something that nobody ever did. He won in the two franchises that hadn't won in a million years. Why don't you just say, you're smarter than us? We will do it your way. Well, ultimately, Tony, that's what they're doing. That's why they hired him, and that's why they've given him this amount of power is they recognize that he's got a great feel for baseball and he's smarter than everyone else. That's why yeah. Theo is where he is, and that's why he needs to be listened to because, again, the game needs some help right now, and if he can provide it and he can provide change, then I think he needs to be listened to. Thank you, Tim. That's a great Frank Robinson story, too. That's just a great story. <laughs> Love that story. Tim Kirkjian, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Steve Sands will join us from uh, St. Andrews in Scotland. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Elizabeth Wills. And Michael Granberry writes, On a night not too long ago, I dropped into poor David's pub in Dallas and heard Elizabeth sing in the broken, was hooked immediately. As she told me recently, her dad had died. In 2020, I played this song for him while he made his way home, and it brought us both comfort. I think it's timely to share this message of hope and the reminder that we're not alone in anything. The light finds its way to the cracks in the broken parts and can let enough light shine through to illuminate the walls of a heart. There is peace in that, and I hope it brings that peace to whoever hears this song. Not only can she sing, but she's smart. 
This is just, critics have compared Elizabeth to Carly Simon and Sarah McLachlan. I think you'll see why. This is called One by One by Elizabeth Wills, who's better than I am. <laughs> this, yes. And as said on television in golf, better than most. Speaking of which, Steve Sands joins us from the property on the fifth green at St. Andrews. Before we get to that, how was your trip over? Was it pleasant? <laughs> yeah, the flight was fine. The baggage made it. Uh, evidently, it's about a 50-50 proposition at Heathrow, whether right. you're going to get your bags and you connect through Heathrow. But a uh, couple of delays, but we made it, and uh, everything was perfectly smooth. I do have to say one thing, Tony. When I landed in, in London, I'm in the next security line after you recheck your bag to go up to Edinburgh to drive up to St. Andrews. Right. And some guy from about five people ahead. You know how a security line kind of winds its way through? Yeah. The guy on the opposite side of the rope yells right. La Chiserie as so loud great. as you can possibly <laughs> yell it. So and great. then the next 10 minutes before going through the, uh, the metal detector and all that stuff, I had to explain to all the other people around me who were traveling from all over the world what La Chiserie meant. Just it was a so fascinating education for about 10 minutes at the security line at London Heathrow Airport. How's the hotel you're staying in? You're not staying on property, right? You can't stay in that hotel on the course. How's the hotel you're in? Tony, this is crazy. We are staying at the Rusacks, which is to the right of the 18th hole. It's right there in town. Wow. It's amazing. I will say two things, though. The most bizarre thing to me in all of our world travels, by far, it's not even, it's not even a close second, the half glass on the shower which just invites water into the bathroom outside yeah. of the shower. I'll never understand yeah. why you don't have the full glass right, right, over right, in Europe. And right. the two-sink hot-cold thing, like, can someone get Herb Kohler on the blower and tell, her there's an, <laughs> and tell them there's an entire country, an entire country that needs a one-faucet situation as opposed to the burning hot on the left and the freezing cold on the right? Yeah. It's a bizarre, bizarre thing. We're in 2022. Somebody get Herb Kohler on the blower. Uh, Nigel just showed us a picture of your hotel. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, it's man. nice. It's fantastic. It's like, you can a give up a heated joke. toilet seat for that hotel. <laughs> I mean, you can. It's a great hotel. Yeah, you know wow. what they do have here? No heated toilet seat in the Rusex, but they do have one of those heated towel rack things. Oh, okay. If you stand up against that thing, you're going to get hurt. I don't yes. know how to turn it off. I'm afraid to touch anything. Yeah. Uh, it's, wow. it's a it's a wild. By the way, the, the room is about the size of Uncle Benny's table. Uh, <laughs> well. But that's the way. But that's but that's the way it works over here. It's a fabulous hotel. I just don't understand the half glass and the two faucet thing over here. It's it's a bizarre bizarre thing. So Michael and I were so thrilled over the weekend how much you love the celebrity tournament. You loved it. You could <laughs> tell Jonas. in your voice. You could love. You loved it. Oh man, you have problems. I mean, what, what's not to love? First of all, while the entire country is hot and humid, you're sitting there in Lake Tahoe, the blue water, snow-capped mountains. It's 80 degrees, no humidity. It's perfect. The people watching out there is incredible. You know, the celebrities, the entertainers, the athletes, they have a good time. A couple of them take it too seriously, including the guy who won it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's the best player of them all, Tony Romo, as much as that pains me. Uh, I remember years ago when he first won. I was in the booth when he first won. And coming from D.C., being a big Skins fan, Commanders fan, uh, Tony Romo's coming down the stretch. <laughs> I jokingly said on the air, this would be the biggest win 
of Tony Romo's life. <laughs> and man, got it afterwards when he heard it in a replay. <laughs> oh, man. There were some very unhappy people. I was just messing around. But, yeah, it's a fun event. It's a fun week. It is what it is. It's nothing serious. Uh, but it's, it's fun entertainment. I will say that um, that that when it goes to a playoff and you realize they're not professional golfers, they're other things. You know, I, right. I hope it doesn't go to a playoff again. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, right? Oh, they're, man. you know, a hundred percent. Yeah, we were we were yeah. all saying the same thing during the commercial break after seventeen before they went to eighteen. We were all thinking, boy, the the only thing that could ruin this would be a playoff. A playoff <laughs> is, is something yeah. you don't want, and I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just that Joe Pavelski is going to be in the Hall of Fame for hockey. Uh, Mark Mulder was an accomplished Major League Baseball pitcher, and, and Tony Romo is a, is a television analyst and was a quarterback for the Cowboys. Nobody needs to see extra golf there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not the Open Championship. Well, let's end it in, in regulation. But the three-way playoff happened, and uh, you know it was a little bit of a bummer, but it's okay. Let me get to St. Andrews, and let me get to Tiger and everything Tiger said yesterday when Tiger drew a line in the sand. He put him on one side, and by name, he put Greg Norman on the other side. He said, this isn't good. He used a great phrase. you got to win it in the dirt. It's a great phrase. Tiger was sort of statesmanlike, and he used to be very aloof. So this must mean a lot to him because he clearly wants to protect his own records and his own legacy, and I get that. Do you think that will have any impact, or is it just another golfer having one opinion? Yeah, sadly, I think it's going to be another golfer having an opinion. I do not think that Tiger and his words and his weight in the game and on these young stars will be enough to prevent them from going and taking the money. I, I do think that people listen. Uh, remember when Michael Jordan famously said Republicans and Democrats buy Nikes? Uh, Tiger's right. always kind of taken that approach that, you know, I'm not going to really dive into the serious issues of life even though I get interviewed every single day uh, and get talked about um, all the time about things outside of golf. And he gets asked questions, Tony, as you can imagine, about everything going on in the world. And I thought it was interesting that he took that podium yesterday uh, and decided to say what he said. I thought what he said was correct, and I think what he said um, has some weight to it because of who said it. But I think at the end of the day... If a young guy, and he was speaking to the young guys yesterday, Tony. He wasn't speaking to the older guys. And I think those young guys who idolized him and now play against him and with him, and some of them are even friends with him, I think they'll listen to it, but I don't think it will prevent anybody from taking the money. He made it very – I know you're pals with Greg Norman. I should tell people that, and that's fine. He made it very personal with Greg Norman. Yeah, but he made it personal. Yeah. He made it personal with Norman. Did that surprise you? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm not pal. You know how that is, Tony. I'm a professional relationship. I, I have been. With oh, him I thought you liked settings. him. But see, like I'm pa- oh, like I, I, I'm pals with I Gary like Williams. Too. Even when I covered him, I used to say he's my yeah. friend. You know, he's my friend. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. have yeah, friends a little stretch with Greg, but yes, I, okay. do, I get along with him, and I've, I've enjoyed his company. Um, I think he's making a mess of professional golf right now. Uh, I disagree with what he's doing. Um, I don't mind competition. I don't mind, you know, other people coming in with great ideas and trying to, you know, compete against sports leagues, whether it's the PGA Tour or anybody else uh, in business or sports. Um, I just don't like the venom, uh, the, the yeah. direction that yes. he's taken uh, verbally and physically. And Oof. I just think that he's making a mistake 
in trying to literally bring down the PGA Tour. He's trying to personally bring down the PGA yes. Tour. Now he has the backing financially, but you know Norman is uh, is a pariah right now. I mean, Tony, I watched you on PTI. Um, I heard you talk about it with with Will Bond and, and Chuck Culpepper um, about him not being invited. He's a two time winner of the yes. Open Championship. And he wasn't invited to the champions dinner and the champions celebration the last couple of days. Mickelson didn't go to the champions dinner last night. You're talking about serious celebrations in the sport that has made you who you are. Now you worked hard to get to that point, but the sport is what gave you, you know, what you are uh, and and who you are, um, financial and otherwise. And I, I just think to not celebrate two champions who are all time great players. Um, and not be invited. I, I was with you when you when you talked about it with Chuck. When you talked about it with Michael. When you talked about it on PTI. I, I just think it's crazy what's taken place in the last couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, with Greg Norman and his, and the sport that he loves. So there, there's a legitimate follow up question here, which is, and we're looking ahead. Do you think that the Masters yeah. would look at Schwartzel or Sergio and not invite them to the dinner? It's very tricky. They have five Masters champions already signed up uh, with Live Golf. Schwartzel Garcia, uh, Patrick Reed, Phil Mickelson, and why am I thinking? Sergio Garcia. And I, I uh, Dustin that, Johnson. Dustin Johnson. Um, I'm not sure what the Masters is going to do. My, my thinking, Tony, we were just talking about this a little bit earlier uh, in a meeting, that I think that the major championships and the official world golf ranking were waiting until after this week. You know, the U.S. Open was was too early right after that that first live event. Uh, And then there's been a Portland event. So now there's been two events. Now there's the Open Championship. And the major championships are done for the next eight months until we get to April. Um, So I think there's time now for the majors to get together and say, okay, what do we want to do about this? You know, kind of privately, collectively get together and say, okay, what, what are we going to do here? The Masters is in the most interesting spot. We talked about this, Tony. You know, they only had 89 players in the field. If you ban all the live guys, you know, you're talking about a field in, in the 60s, unless they change their qualifications. If you ban the five Masters champions and no place, no place on earth cares about its past champions more at Augusta National. They care about him here at the Open Championship, but it, it's been a long-standing tradition at Augusta, way longer than here at the Open Championship. And if you eliminate those five guys, only 18 champions played in the Masters this past year. And there's that age-out 65 where Larry Mize and Bernard Langer will be done after next year. So you're talking about, and Tiger's health isn't great, so you're talking about 15 guys, maybe 16, if you eliminate those five who went to live, you know, you're talking about severely damaging the tradition of what Augusta National has built over the years with its champions. And I think they're in a very tricky spot. But I also think that if they will ban people and they will change their qualifications if they don't think it's good for the game and if they don't think more specifically that it's good for Augusta National and the Masters. And I get the feeling from the major championships, from the people who run the World Golf Ranking, um, that they, they don't like what's going on. And I have, I have a feeling they're going to change the qualifications, not just ban people like the PGA Tour has, but change the way they go about their business 
to prevent guys from doing that so they don't have to ban them, if that makes any sense. I am not a lawyer, obviously. I think it's very tough. The PGA Tour's position of throwing people out, I think, may be an antitrust position. But I think the Masters can do what it wants, Steve. That, you know, they can do what they want, it seems to me, right? Absolutely. It's an invitational, Tony. They can invite yeah. whoever they want. I mean, people yes. don't realize, but, you know, Angel Cabrera won the Masters in 2009. Now, he has legal troubles. He's not chasing money and other tours and doing that. So it's, it's a little different. However, if you win the Masters... You know, you think that you're going to be invited back the rest of your life. Well, that's not the case because it's an invitation. You don't have to be invited. Now, they always do. But Angel Cabrera hasn't been there the last couple of years. Um, uh, you know, they can do whatever they want. So, you know, the U.S. Open and the Open this week, the nature of the word open almost prevents them from banning anybody. I agree. It's open. It's open I agree. to the world. If you qualify, if you're, if you're eligible and you qualify – how do you not take somebody at the Open and the U.S. Open? PGA Championship is a little different uh, because there's a membership issue there with the PGA of America. The Masters, like you said, Tony, completely separate. That's an invitational. Literally, you are invited to play. Tiger Woods, all the way down to the U.S. Amateur runner-up, you get an invitation to play each year. And if they choose uh, to change that, that is totally their prerogative. I agree. Do you want to pick one winner for us, and then we'll talk to you next week if we can? One winner. Oh, man. I have to give one. you one winner. Can I give you four or five guys? I mean, I, I, yes. I, I yes. talked to Rory this morning. I'm not taking Rory because I pick him all the time. Talked to him this morning. He, think, he thinks he can drive six or seven greens here. He get a two-iron on the 18 green this morning. Uh, I think Rory drives the ball well. He's, he's going to win. I think somebody's going to go really low. The forecast here this week is, is benign, to say the least. I think you can see some really low scores. I think John Rahm will play well here. I think some other guys, like Mark Leishman, who was in the playoff in 15, Louis Eustazen, who won here, was also in the playoff in 2015. Um, they'll play well. I think Seamus Power, uh, an Irishman, will play well. Max Homa as well. But at the end of the day, I'm doing it again, Tony. I can't believe it. I think Rory's going to win. I'm just convinced he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's ready to do it. He's ready to come and play, and the forecast is perfect for him. He is not a mutter. He's not a guy who likes to play in big wind and rain. And there's not supposed to be a lot of weather the next four days. So I'm going to stick with my guns and go with McElroy again. Whether that's in my heart or my head, I can't decide. We will all be watching with you. Thank you, Steve. Talk to you soon. Anytime, Tony. Take care. Steve Sands, boys and girls. That was great. We'll take a break. We have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Speaking of Scotland, <laughs> speaking of bagpipes, I assume. Yes. If you listen closely, you McPhee. can hear Chuck Culpepper. <laughs> it's Donald, yeah, in the wind. That's Donald McPhee from Alexandria, Scotland. Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda Bagel Lab? Yes, I also want to wish a very happy birthday to Julius Caesar, who yeah. will be celebrating a birthday today. But we love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just thank Nigel for writing on my birthday. Hark now, hear the sailors cry. Smell the sea and feel the sky. Let your soul and spirit fly into the mystic. Thanks to our guests today, both great, Sands and Kirchin, just great. Thanks 
to our sponsors, Sunday and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you got the show through Apple, please leave us a review. I needed that song after last night's storms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you you're, don't like storms. I'm, I'm you're afraid of trees. Severe anxiety now with the trees, sure. the, the water. Uh, but today, today the hens are having a party for their favorite hen. Hen Ben's birthday's today. It's yes. Henry's Big birthday today. Three. And why don't you tell Henry Bahama. that in honor of his birthday, there will be a full moon tonight. This is full moon night, and I'm going to look at it and then go to sleep. And <laughs> Henry, you should keep him up to see it. Although we'll it's keep very... him up. We'll place him into the mystic. <laughs> From Alex Cloninger, who's an associate professor at the Department of Mathematics at the University of California, San Diego. Can Wilbon become the official AAU correspondent of the Tony Kornheiser <laughs> show? That segment was honestly one of my favorites the last couple of years. It was partially because AAU tournaments are a fascinating topic I'm not familiar with, but mostly because you can just hear the pride in Wilbon's voice as he talks about his son. Just wonderful listening. From Stan Fleming in Ellicott City, Maryland, Wimbledon just ended and the British Open starts in a few days. Keeping with the European theme, isn't it time for your annual Tour de France analysis? One weekend, how are the favorites doing? Who's hot? Who are your picks for the yellow, green, and polka dot jerseys? <laughs> Wilbon laments NBA injuries he speculates are caused by lack of time on the concrete courts. Mr. Tony wants all-time, old-time pitchers that can go the distance. Maybe concrete mounds are called for. One more proof, bicycle riders are stronger and faster than ever. What's their secret? They ride on concrete. I rest my case. To honor the Tour de France. How about the next two weeks, you and the show telling us if you're out on your bicycle tonight, do wear yellow. <laughs> That's all right. Rory Kimberlin, who's written us before from Gardner, Maine. I have nine smoke detectors in my house. This morning, one is doing the low battery chirp, but only when I'm far away. I've been chasing that sound for an hour this morning. Should I just move at this point? <laughs> I look forward to your advice in two years. At least they're not interconnected. Yes. You should feel happy you can hear the beeps. I couldn't even hear the beeps. I couldn't hear them. From Gus Gullick. My name is Gus Gullick. I've become a recent fan of your podcast. As a young child, I was a fan of PTI. I love to hear you and Wilbon discuss sports news and other topics. The chemistry between you guys is so evident that I became hooked. I'm now 26. I spend most of my time on the road hauling beer for a local Anheuser-Busch distributor in the eastern North Carolina region. Since discovering your podcast, my long drives have been much more eventful because I get the pleasure to listen to you. Michael and Nigel discuss whatever's going on in the world. I love it. I know the famous people from my hometown segment is over, but I'd like to shout out mine of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Jeff Bezos, Neil Patrick Harris, Houston Astros star Alex Bregman, Demi Lovato, and Holly Holm. Bill Gates had his famous mugshot taken in Albuquerque, too. Anyway, thanks for providing entertainment regularly for listeners. Your show may still stink, but it's a very enjoyable level of stink. Isn't that nice? That is lovely. From Kevin Flood in West Hartford, Connecticut. With every Major League Baseball team now practicing its own silly home run ritual, riding in laundry carts, donning hideous suit jackets, etc., one must wonder, why no capes? Sounds like a huge branding opportunity for Dr. Hofloff. Imagine your favorite national player hitting their occasional dinger once every three months and then tying on an MLB official TK cape before sauntering down the dugout and collecting high fives. Capes. Stylish, dramatic, almost practical. All about that clasp. From, yeah, yes, it I is. have the Lions head class. It's fabulous. From Justin Johnson in Arlington, Virginia. Mr. Tony, it's been a while. <laughs> Bernie from Fort Lauderdale. I wanted to report that I'll be among the dozens of people attending a game. Oh, this is in May of the Nationals playing at the Marlins in Miami. I'll be the guy on the third base side who's dressed like Santa Claus. From Patrick Graham in Catonsville, Maryland. Okay, this is also from May, and it refers back to the Bob Ryan phone call thing. Can oh, right. Bob Ryan at courtside. Yes. The story about the call to Bob Ryan during the Lakers-Celtics game reminded me of my own story involving a phone and a phone call being watched during a televised game. 
Due to me knowing the right people and a very fortunate call of heads against my younger brother for the coin flip, I found myself having a really good seat to a playoff game at Camden Yards against the hated Yankees. That's a long time ago because the Orioles haven't been there mm. recently. By good, I mean I was sitting in the temporary seats they set on the field for really big games and really important people like myself. When I sat down, I said hello to the older gentleman next to me and managed to not spill a drop of my playoff beer on his very nice shoes. I did notice a phone at his feet and wondered what the deal was. It turns out the president of the American League and the phone was there just in case he had to contact the home. He was the president and contact the home office during the game. At some point during the game, the phone did ring and I looked over and I said, I'm pretty sure it's for you. <laughs> he smiled and took the call. During the course of the game, they flashed his face and mine on television a couple of times and my friends got to wonder how I managed that seat. As they say, it's not what you know, but who you know. From Jordan Chance in Lindenhurst, New York. Tony needs to play golf at Montauk Downs and Michael needs to go with him. I should be clear. I've never played a round of golf in my life, but I've lived on Long Island my entire life. And I would spend an absurd amount of money to hear Michael narrate the details of his trip with his father, sitting in the Hamptons Montauk summer <laughs> traffic for hours on end. What could go wrong? Verizano's not a short bridge. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not. No, it's not. And from Greg Furlick, who writes... And this is again from May. I opened the Sunday paper to find a review of the new Louise Gluck work, Marigold and Rose. Given the crossover of Gluck fans in this fine pod, I wanted to help get the word out right away. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, okay, you can wear the yellow tour jersey. <laughs> That's it. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? <laughs>
Sweet set 